Hey friends, it's Eric here. Thanks for listening to the Building Us podcast. Hey, I want to invite you to follow me on my new show, Stuff About Money They Didn't Teach You in School, where I take a deeper dive into money and financial topics. You can find it wherever you listen to your podcast, Stuff About Money They Didn't Teach You in School. I hope to see you there. One of my values is health, and I want to be healthy. And I define health as I want to be both mentally healthy, financially healthy, and physically healthy. So I need to do something in the moment right now to be able to fix that. And thankfully, I have the means to be able to do that. I go to the gym, I eat healthy, and you know that's been working well for me. Welcome back, everyone, to the Building Us podcast, a show all about relationships, relationships to our family, our community, our money, to each other, and everything in between. It's a love and money podcast. This is Building Us. I am Dr. Matt Morris, couples couples therapist and family therapist, uh, joined always uh, by my dear friend, Eric Garcia, financial planner and and, uh, certified other things. Certified Eric. other things. What's up, Eric? Man? man, it's been a while since we've recorded. How are you doing? I've been good. I've been good. You said certified other things. A client the other day called me the money boss. You're certified money boss. She's learning German for some reason, so she she said it in German. Maybe it didn't. So I didn't translate. know what it meant. She had a she had a uh, translate it for me. There's translation issue. Yeah, so you where know, have you since, been, man? Since, but since I've known you, you've been adding letters to the end of your name. So I you, do. You've, yeah. You're certified. I, I'm, I, am, um, I am improving myself. It's a responsibility that I have to, to my clients to, to constantly grow and to learn and improve myself, Matt. Nice. You see, counselors, y'all, you, like, you like stay fixed. You, know, you spend like <laughs> 10 years in school to become a doctor, and then you have all these letters, and then you stay fixed. And I'm just constantly growing, dude. Just like, just like a, just like a retirement yeah. account. Just, just every year. You know, <laughs> if I do one letter a year, it's awesome. It's all I need. Good. Yeah, your your letters are like an IRA. You should just put IRA at the end of your name. That'd be cool. I can't. Compliance uh, won't let me. Uh, the regulators don't like that. I have to earn. I have to earn my letters. So where you been, man? Like, what's like? Yeah, I, yeah, I've been out of town. You know me, man. It's been it's summer, which means the Morris clan goes on vacation for a while. So we've been. If we've y'all been remember, away. if our loyal listeners remember, we did a show on vacation, and Matt said it's not really a vacation unless it's at least ten days long. Well, I think for our listeners, if you really want to go back, I think the episode was called "You Need a Vacation," and I hmm. think I said it's at least eight days. You eight need days. at least eight days off. To really, that, that's what the data shows is that, uh, you know, you need a certain amount of time to, to, to decompress from your life and then get on vacation and really relax. And then you need a day to kind of get back into work. The whole idea is that you take a long enough period of time that you actually rest. Mm-hmm. You actually rest and, and feel your body release and relax a little bit with the whole purpose of rejuvenating. So you come back to life you know, better and ready to go again and ready to conquer and, and tackle new things and more creative and more flexible and more em- empathic and engaged and all of that. You don't want to take a vacation that's so stressful and, and, and exhausting that you come back depleted. So you need time to get away and, and rejuvenate. So it's like, a, I need a vacation for my vacation. That's not what you're, that's not what you're after. You want to take a long enough vacation that you don't need that. Yeah, it's tough stuff well cool man today i'm excited about today's um today's guest so you're you're uh giving me a hard time about all the letters behind my name but some of the the some of the newer letters behind my name is bfa behavioral financial advisor something i got last year um and our guest today ryan goulart ryan goulart that's right ryan goulart is um one of the individuals who works with think to perform he is he's got a degree in neuroscience from stonehill college in easton Massachusetts. He's the co-author of Leveraging Your Financial Intelligence at the Intersection of Money, Health, and Happiness. And he wrote that along with 
uh, Doug Lennick and Roy Greer. Doug is the, I think one of the founders of Think to Perform. And he is the host of Think to, Think to Perform's Making the Ideal Real podcast. And he is the VP of Business Development and Marketing over there at Think to, For, Think to Perform. Ryan, what's happening, man? How's it going? Thank you for having me. It's going. Hey, when you go on vacation, do you take do you take eight days, ten days? Is that eight day? What's like? What's a typical vacation for you? <laughs> uh, so I laugh because uh, this past June, my wife and I uh, took our four month old daughter, now four month old daughter, but then she was about three months uh, to Connecticut uh, to see her uh, great or her grandma, and uh, that was about seven days. It didn't make the eight. And it wasn't relaxing, so uh, I guess it doesn't qualify as a vacation. It, it, well, as a, a family therapist, as a family therapist, I can certify that not all visits to family are vacations. <laughs> not not every go visit mom or dad or go visit grandma is a vacation, and and it won't be for our kids either. That's okay. That's all right. Not every family experience is a vacation. They're they're worthwhile and they're meaningful, but. They're not all what I'm describing, these unwinding, uh, rejuvenating leisure experiences. Right. Yeah, what's the science? was not that. Yeah, what's the science <laughs> say about that, Ryan? Like, what's the neuroscience behind, like, eight days? Like, come on, what's the research Having some side? real downtime, real downtime. I, I just think it's a stress thing. It's absolutely a stress thing. I mean, uh, and it, it, it's just one of those things that if you can just – get rid of stress. I mean, we all need some, and I'm sure Matt, you could elaborate a little bit more on this, but we all need some form of stress to be able to perform at our best. So if we think about uh, some of the athletes that we've been watching on the Olympics, I mean, they, they put a lot of stress on their bodies to be able to perform at the level that they perform. Uh, Having no stress wouldn't yield the same results. So but because we have this buildup of, of stress and buildup of uh, stress hormones like cortisol, which has a very sig- uh, similar makeup to adrenaline, which is its common cousin. People understand adrenaline, people don't understand cortisol, uh, but the two are very chemically similar. Uh, it is a uh, nice thing to be able to detox from cortisol on an eight day vacation, not seven. So, okay, so. Yeah, but let me let me add that. So so yes, uh, think about a great vacation that you're on. You're probably not experiencing a ton of cortisol. I mean, maybe getting there, the travel part of it, you you experience some cortisol. Whatever your ideal vacation is, but you may be experiencing a lot of adrenaline, and those are different things. So the adrenaline is kind of the the uh, excitement factor. Whereas the cortisol, you know, wears you out eventually. It, it, it depletes, it, it taxes, uh, and the adrenaline does that in a different way. Going, you know, going downhill skiing. I, you know me, Eric, I was dirt bike riding. Mm-hmm. I was downhill. Uh, downhill mountain biking, hiking. There, there's aspects of that that are adrenaline-filled, but they're not cortisol-filled, which is different. Now, if it like a bear attacked, that would be cortisol, stressful. When things go bad on vacation, it, it injects cortisol and that, that, that temporarily suspends the vacation and you're kind of back at work for those moments. Do you just start over if that happens? Like, oh my gosh, I have to start. like if you're on day seven and you experience yeah, a bunch yeah, of a, yeah. a cortisol attack, you have to start over. <laughs> Call like the in, office. Like in, uh, I need another week. Yeah. It's like in uh, all these diets, like whole 30 and hard 75. If you, you know, miss a day, you got to start over, right? It's like vacation. I'm going to try that one. I don't think, uh, <laughs> I'll do that on the weekend. Yeah. Yeah. I'll see you in 30. Eric. Yeah. <laughs> you'll be I'll never, I'll never make it. I'll like, <laughs> so you check one email at work and then you're like, oh, you got to start over. I don't think I need eight days. Part, right of, part of my vacation, Eric, since we're on this subject and, and cortisol and adrenaline related, part of my vacation is I was in an area of, of the state of New Mexico where there's not good cell phone service at all. And so all of us who are there, are offline and that is in itself relaxing and relieving and rejuvenating and and all of those things so hey you know there, there's a good tip hmm. well that's a good that's actually a good segue into what uh 
what I want to talk about today with um, with Ryan. So Ryan, you wrote a book or you co-authored a book called Leveraging Your Financial Intelligence at the Intersection of Money, Health, and Happiness. I know over there at Think to Perform, y'all do a lot of, uh, of, of coaching and leadership development. You know, one of the things that's really intrigued me about what y'all do is with particularly with your methodology that it is grounded in and kind of neuroscience and the way the brain operates. And it's not just a focus on, um, on behaviors or outcomes. You kind of take a step back and you really start with an inside out approach where you start with, with values and, in, 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 in our thoughts. Um, so we're sitting here talking about like Matt's going on vacation, right? And he's having fun with his family. And, you know, in your book, you talk about uh, happiness, right? You dedicate a lot of time just talking about this, this concept of, of happiness. And I, w- I want to go there. But first, I want, I want to know, share a little bit about how do you go from getting a degree in neuroscience, kind of, and I know it's connected, but pivoting to this, this role, this organization of, of coaching executives and advisors, and you talked about athletes, um, to improve yeah. their leadership and their decision-making and so on and so forth. And, and mention just for our listeners a little bit about think to perform. Just if you're, if you're not hearing that phrase, it's think the number two perform, think to perform. Mention a little bit about the organization. Yeah. Uh, I'll start with the organization and then we'll walk back uh, Ryan's personal journey uh, to the great land of Minnesota. I'm originally from Connecticut. So that's a thousand lakes. Are there really a yeah. thousand lakes up there? It's 10, actually, it, there's, there's over 10, 11, there, there's over 10,000. So yeah. they actually lie on the, on the license plate. There's 11,450 or something like that. They should probably could like fit that. 10,000 plus uh, lakes. It doesn't sound as good. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, uh, Think to Perform uh, was established in 2002 uh, by our CEO, Doug Lenick, and uh, a colleague of his, Jim Cho. And they both uh, were corporate professionals, had been working uh, at uh, what is now Ameriprise Financial, its predecessor, American Express Financial Advisors. Both of them wanted to be able to do something different. Uh, they wanted to focus more of their time on doing the stuff that they loved. And the stuff that they loved uh, have, happened to be about leadership and developing people. So they set out and developed this company in 2002. It was called the Lenick Leadership Group at the time and uh, has since evolved into Think to Perform. And we're going, we'll be in our 20th uh, year next year, which is really exciting. Yeah. I've been a part of that journey uh, for 11 years. And what's really interesting about Think to Perform is that it's founded on, on two questions. And these two questions are going to be questions that we'll unpack as we go through our podcast today. First question is, why do people do what they do? Which is a question that Matt, I'm sure you're already thinking to yourself, man, that is a awesome question. I'm ready to dive deeper into that. <laughs> Eric is already like, thinking about other questions of how he can answer that too. So I can see their faces. You got your listeners can't, but why do people do what they do? Which we bring in psychology. We bring in neuroscience of which, as Eric had mentioned, I have a background in, and then we bring in behavioral finance to answer that question. We use those three disciplines. Now, the second question that the company is founded on is, is it possible for one to be, who would they ideally like to be more often? I'll say that again. Is it possible for one to be who they would ideally like to be more often? And the answer to the second question is yes, but it also assumes that we're not ideal all of the time, which is true. We're in, we definitely operate in a way that uh, is not ideal. We do things every day that we sometimes look back on and think to ourselves, Ryan, why did you do that? Why, why, why did you cut that person off on the highway? So all of that being said, in order for us to be able to establish that ideal self, that ideal person, we first have to know what it, who, the, who we would be on our best day. And as Eric mentioned, we bring in an exercise we call the values exercise to help us establish and ground in who would we be on our best day. And there's a model we use to be able to establish that. So my values happen to be integrity, 
family, health, excellence, and achievement. So on my best day, I am utilizing all five. Now, that's extremely, extremely hard for a lot of variables. But if, if I see that and reflect on my values and think about those values as I make choices throughout my day, then my behavior gets in line. Then my goals for myself get in line. And so uh, I'm 33. I just went to uh, my physical uh, this past month. And those are always rude awakenings. Uh, but this is the first yeah. rude awakening for me in that I've always been a skinny guy. Uh, I wrestled 103 in high school. So just to kind of give you an idea about what that Pound, looks like. Pounds? 103 pounds? pounds? Yeah, oh, wow. 103, Holy which shirt. is, it is small. And uh, it was, um, but like getting to my physical, I thought, you know, I could just, I have always had a fast metabolism. I you must, do you must be up to 115 or something. Yes, exactly. you're, <laughs> you're saying you're not 103 anymore. Well, you can't see these guns on these things. Though, that, <laughs> 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 but what it, the physical told me was that, uh, and this is the first time I've ever heard this, is that my doctor said, Ryan, it would be a good idea if you lost some weight. Hmm. Which I, to me is like, what? What does that mean? It, what and, it means is, what it means is, and what he's a professional and he didn't say it, is he says, Ryan, I think you're too fat. Yeah, I know. That's, that's, <laughs> but so that's, that's one of those things that uh, one of my values is health and I want to be healthy. And I define health as I want to be both mentally healthy, financially healthy and physically healthy. So I need to do something in the moment right now to be able to uh, fix that. And thankfully, I have the means to be able to do that. I go to the gym, I eat healthy and, you know, that's been working well for me. Uh, I would have to, I'm happy to say I'm down four pounds already. And that was early July. Wow. So yeah, I appreciate some applause guys. Yeah. Congratulations. That's fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> you, you had a new baby recently too, it sounds like. So that's, that's a, it's for most dads, they gain a little weight when they have a baby. Oh, and then you throw in, you know, just sitting on the couch all the time. Yep. It's like it's baby weight, man. That's it. It's baby weight. Yeah. <laughs> So, so you said a lot there. Um, yeah. And as you're saying, I'm, I'm one of the things I'm thinking about. Just kind of let's stick on the health thing, right? Um, as you talked about health being a value of yours, and you hearing this news that is not cons that that is kind of almost like uh, uh, not consistent with this value of health, and and maybe you considered why you're why you're not your ideal self when it comes to health. And are you realizing that I'm not doing, I'm not acting consistent, doing the behaviors or having behaviors that, that are in alignment with my health? Is that what you're saying? And that's kind of. Yeah. So, uh, and I would, I would equate this to, uh, a like mini identity crisis only because I had viewed myself as indestructible. I viewed myself as, you know, I can eat anything. My metabolism is so fast. I can just do whatever, I, eat or whatever I want. I was doing like two cheeseburgers a day, a week. Oh man. I was like, it was just, there was no, there, there wasn't healthy choice. It wasn't, it wasn't mindful. And what that moment created for me was a, a moment of reflection and realizing that, yeah, you know, health is one of my values. I do have a four month old at home. And if uh, I learned also in this physical that I have high cholesterol, which I later learned from my mom is genetic, I need to set myself up for a longer life than her father who died when he was 63. So, you know, these are the things that I, I had to take into account and kind of forecast out and be proactive as I look and reflected on my values. So that's why that sex, that reflection of values back to neuroscience allows for us to engage our prefrontal cortex, the logical center of our brain. I had been operating at an emotional level, doing things, eating things, uh, when 
at, and at an emotional level. I wasn't thinking. It wasn't, it wasn't thoughtful. So by taking that moment in time to reflect on my values, bring it up to my rational center, say, Ryan, that's not who you want to be. That's not who you identified as your ideal self. Then you give yourself a choice. And that's, that's really what the name of the game is all about. So it goes back to one of the questions that y'all ask. Why do people do what they do? So why do you eat two cheeseburgers a week? Or why, why <laughs> exactly. are you trying not to eat two cheeseburgers a week? But let, let's back up a little bit to, um, to the title of the book. The book, the book in of itself is just a little, little provocative or thought-provoking, right? It talks about leveraging your financial intelligence, right? So we're, we're, we're over here talking about like financial um, intelligence, but on the other side, you're talking about like health, right? There's this intersection of money and health and happiness. Can you expound on that a little bit? Just kind of lay that out, kind of the, lay the framework out for that yeah, for us? Absolutely. And and the first thing I think we'll start with is that we'll want to define financial intelligence. So what does financial intelligence mean? What does it mean to leverage your financial intelligence? And financial intelligence is essentially the ability of for ourselves to make values-based decisions in the presence of competing and often difficult to deal with emotion. So we've all been there where we've had emotion and we've bought something. Uh, I have been on this like weird kick that I, I, throughout the pandemic, I discovered Italian wine and I was, I've been curious about this. So, and then I discovered uh, you know, bourbon and different types of bourbon. And I've been curious about that too. So I, when I go in, it feels like a, an adventure. And I use that word intentionally. It feels like an adventure. I get excited. And then I make a stupid purchase because I read a label and identified a year. And then I bring this home. And my wife, Joni, says to me, you're an idiot. Why did you do that? We have a four-month-old at home. I didn't, I didn't need that. So that's, that's an emotional choice. That's not Ryan leveraging his financial intelligence. That's not making a values-based decision because emotions are present. And when, when we don't do those things well, that's when it has a significant impact on our health. So, for example, what we know to be true is that as people age, they traditionally want three things. And this is all uh, research-based. And these three things are, they want to be healthy. They want to live a life that it, they can be healthy in. They also want to do things with their money specifically, when they want, with whom they want, where they want, when they want. Uh, and they want to make those choices with the values based in mind. And then lastly, they want to be able to feel confident and, and uh, secure uh, in, their, in their life. And the way we solve for those three things is, is to honor the experience of others. And one of the things that people experience is that as financial and stress specifically increases, our ability to handle things emotionally falls. So as we... Uh, go up that scale, financial stress rises, our ability to handle things emotionally falls, which increases the likelihood of us making irrational choices, which impact our physical health, our emotional health, and our financial health. That's miserable. So if you were to picture that little up, down, up, down, up, down, that creates an M. So that's the M of misery. No one wants to be miserable. So that's where yeah. people like you guys, Matt and Eric, that's where you guys come in. You guys both come at it from a different point of view, but you also, both of you position this as an opportunity to help decrease the stress. Stress, uh, Matt, for you, it's the stress of individuals. And then Eric, for you, it's the stress, financial stress of individuals. You have an awesome opportunity to be able to help people uh, to reduce their stress. And as financial stress decreases, one's ability to handle things emotionally rises, which decreases our irrational decision-making, therefore increasing our emotional health, our financial health, and our physical well-being. 
So, so rather I'm, than I'm, yeah, go ahead. I'm curious, would you say? And, and I don't know what the research says here. You know, I'll often say um, because how you manage your money impacts practically every aspect of your life, right? Would you say that financial management or wise financial management or finances is kind of the the first? Um, I'm trying to think of how to how to say this is oh it comes first right like if I, if I, my finances are in order then everything else will fall in line does it start with money does it start with finances are we are we emphasizing that too much kind of what's the beginning point beginning point is understanding your values so once you have an understanding about who you are and why you are the way you are then slowly you start to peel this onion back and understand that, yeah, I, I have been making choices that are counter to who I want to be. And maybe those choices might be lavish spending because you, uh, in, in your childhood, you might have had a situation where money was scarce and you want you have money now and you want to be able to enjoy it. Or maybe it's the inverse of that. So maybe you grew up in a a lavish household and you spent too much that you're now money is scarce. So those it's, it's all behavioral. And that's why values play a significant role in it because values and values based decisions can help guide that behavior. It's not going to mean that just because you know, your values, you're going to uh, be immune to poor decisions, but it increases the likelihood and increases the probability that the decisions you make will be values based. So, in the in the book, you quote um, a Harvard professor of psychiatry, Helen Reese, I believe is her name. You say, when it comes to happiness, the most basic fundamentals are related to physical health, relationship health, and financial health. If you could take steps to reduce financial stress, that will definitely favorably impact your physical health and therefore your happiness. It seem it seems like there's this emphasis on financial stress almost being like the first domino to drop, right? If finances are bad, almost everything else to follow is going to be bad. Yeah, and it's a it's a basic need, and that's why it's such an important component of our story that we tell throughout the book is that it it is a significant portion and a significant stressor finances are of both couples and single people and uh, humans to be able to live in in our present day. And that's there's a whole bunch of biology that we could dig into uh, on that. But it, it's just the the presence of anxiety and the presence of stress and the uncertainty of when money is going to come in erodes away at the uh, our ability to process things. Uh, effectively. So what you just said was, I'm more important than Matt, right? My advice is more important <laughs> than Matt's advice, right? Is that is that what I heard? It's complimentary. You both need, it's yin and yang. You need both. Uh, oh, yeah. Man. Eric, I, I heard the same thing you did. No. Um, <laughs> well, yeah, I, I don't know that either any of those are ahead of the others, uh, but it does sound like they're all related. I think that's the, the kind of the Venn diagram. Interesting point of all this is the intersection between, uh, you know, overall health finances and a sense of well-being or happiness, you know, uh, global satisfaction, if you will. And th those things are all related And that, uh, Ryan, the thing that I think you're highlighting is that finances for most of us represent our ability to be, to get our needs met, to be secure, to get our basic needs met, our, our leisure needs met. Our, I mean, it's, it's through finances that we purchase stuff that we need. Um, and so if, if finances are jacked up, then you, you, there's, you know, a feeling of insecurity that's kind of running in the background all the time. And that depletes your ability to be thoughtful and to make values-based decisions as you're talking about and to, to be more emotionally grounded. All of that gets more taxed and depleted as, as this, you know, financial insecurity is running in the background. Absolutely. And it's, uh, what you said, Matt, too, it reminded me that 
yes, it's values. Yes, it's it's this holistic approach to understanding how one's health and how one's happiness and money all interject intersect. Yeah. But at the foundation of both of all of that is awareness. You have to be aware that you may be making choices with your money mm-hmm. in a way that's uh, detrimental to your ideal self or detrimental to your, your future self. And that's why yeah. uh, that proactive behavior is so important. I was on a... Uh, I, go ahead, Matt. Go, well, you said, you mentioned earlier how you were uh, into uh, wine and bourbon and how going into the store was like an adventure for you. And you, you, you know, emphasize the word adventure. And I think one of my values is adventure. I like to have fun. I like to go on, do, do things that are inspiring and go on inspiring trips. And so a lot, just know, knowing that, being aware of that, that, that I'm going to spend money for fun. I'm going to spend money on adventure. Uh, being aware of that helps me make values-based decisions, it sounds like. like Absolutely. You know, owning up to that, being aware of that, acknowledging that. And if you do that, if you align to that going on trips to new mexico downhill biking all those things are going to bring more uh Mm -hmm. moments of happiness for you and so therefore you're going to be living in alignment more often making more of a a happy choice which is which is awesome and that's exactly what we want and and i want to do it next year so i don't try to spend all the money this year (laughs) exactly (laughs) (laughs) you know and i would i would add to that I was in a, um, I was in a, a conversation with a handful of guys and we we're just talking about, we we're talking about, about paying houses off and mortgages and debt and financial security and building wealth. And two individuals in the, in the chat, both, both very successful. were coming from, I'm not gonna say very different perspectives, but had a, had a different perspective on, on mortgages. One was pay it off, pay it off. So I can save all this money. One was like, why am I going to pay it off? I have no, no need to pay it off. And, um, I was watching them have this conversation. I was I was involved and and I could tell really quickly that they had two very different value sets. And as you know, one of the things I'm as a financial advisor and kind of hanging out with Matt, I've learned this from hanging out with counselors and it was emphasized in the um, in the behavioral financial advisor curriculum is as a financial advisor the importance of not just understanding my values, but understanding clients' values and quickly being able to identify those values, even if they have not. Because in many cases, people haven't thought through this process of what are my values, but being able to identify those values. And so long as it makes good financial sense, giving counsel and giving advice that is consistent with those values to help them, I guess, in your, in your language, align them, align their decisions with their money with what they value. One one valued risk, and that was exciting, I guess adventure would be your word, and, and growth. And one was, man, I want out in a few years, and I don't wanna have anything, I don't want any, any debt, I don't want any of this hanging over me. And as a financial advisor, understanding that, I think that, that gets, it's a huge advantage. It's a huge advantage to be able to, to understand those values. Yeah, it, and it's a huge, uh, point of differentiation that you made that uh, just because you have values in a certain way doesn't mean others are going to have the same values. Hmm. So what ap- actually ends up happening is is that sometimes we project our own values onto others. And when others behave poorly or make decisions that are a counter to our own values, we get upset and we get the ex- the difference between expectation and reality is frustration. So we get frustrated of why did that person make that decision? That was dumb. Mm-hmm. Why did they do that? But we're holding them accountable to values that we have uh, that they might not have. And it takes that line of questioning and, and curiosity to learn more about why they did what they did uh, consistent with who they want to be. All right, so here's a... Say that again, though, the difference between expectation and... Oh, the difference, the difference, the gap between expectation and reality is frustration. Yeah, yeah it is. Letdown, frustration, <laughs> disappointment, <laughs> aggravation. Gap. 
The gap. I have a question. Mm-hmm. Eric, let me go first and then come back to you because mine's a sidebar. Mine's a sidebar. This you, You're talking about the intersection of finances, health, and happiness. This year or the last 18 months have been a global pandemic, a, a real assault on, on health and happiness and finances. Ha, what have you been thinking about? Like what, what sort of, what of your, like your, your foundational ideas have really just become crystal clear or crystallized or substantiated in a new way for you over the last 18 months? Uh, I will, t- I'll take it in two parts. Uh, I'll take it from a business perspective for a second and then I'll break it down personally. And, and from a business perspective, our, our business uh, happens to be in, in a proactive business. So we are always, always training, always doing, always educating on mm-hmm. behaviors that if practiced in the moment will set you up proactively for uh, things like this. We didn't foresee this happening, yeah, but it was something that uh, for those that have been trained in our content and trained in our philosophy, it does it does help people understand how to deal with ambiguity and deal with an- uncertainty. So to Matt, to Eric's point about being a behavioral financial advisor, those that had been trained in, in behavioral financial advice actually experienced that they they themselves, and this is qualitative data, suggested that they felt prepared for this, oddly enough. They felt like they were prepared individually to have the conversations that they were about to have because they had this background mm-hmm. in a more psychological, uh, client-centric approach. Yeah. So that was really encouraging to hear. And it's definitely has helped with educating more people on this, this type of philosophy and approach that it does matter to learn more about your values. Yeah. Now having a daughter in the middle of a pandemic and my wife was pregnant and still working all up until then she uh is the executive director of a low-income senior population building they have 192 units here in downtown minneapolis uh so she had a if you ask her that question essential essential yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, she she went in every day yeah. and uh it was definitely stressful for me to see her go do that. And then I would go into our home office and work. And uh, then to have a daughter in the middle of a pandemic too is just also uh, scary as well, just because there's just so much unknown. Uh, but what did happen, and it just is like a very silver lining is that my parents actually ended up moving to Minneapolis from uh, Norfolk, Virginia. They had a house on the beach or three blocks from the beach and they had no family around them and the pandemic taught them that they wanted to be able to mm. be closer to family. I'm the oldest of three. I, uh, my wife and I have been again, living here in Minneapolis for 11 years. So we're a little bit more stable than my other siblings. And, uh, they decided that they didn't want to be zoom grandparents and moved out this way. So it's such an interesting time because there's a lot of transition. But back to values, I mean, they made a values-based decision to uproot their life, incur the cost of moving, incur all of that to move to Minneapolis to be near a child they hadn't met yet. So it was just, uh, you know, there's there's all types of those types of stories that I, I hear uh, that I'm, I'm grateful I was able to experience it. And it's been a blessing because it's uh, it's great to have my parents here. He said to, to move to Minneapolis to be around a grandchild that had met you. What if they don't like them? Like, what if, yeah, like, I know. You know, like, like man, it's a big commitment, yeah. right? Yeah. So <laughs> it's just, it's very interesting. And it's, um, uh, there's just a lot. There's, there's a lot there. And, it, and that's why it's such a human centric kind of thing to understand to make those decisions because they yield the results of happiness and results of health however you may define it you might define it like i do or you might define it something a different way or you might define happiness but the being true to yourself and being uh values-based really does help uh alleviate some of the stresses of life isn't that uh though part of i would say happiness is making 
decisions or, or, or acting in a way consistent with a value? I mean, from the financial side, and Matt, I would imagine that you encounter this in counseling. When I have clients who come to me and they're like, I don't know what happens to all my money. I want to save for retirement, but I have no money to save for retirement. There's this inconsistency with, I want to do this, but I don't know where all my money goes. I have no idea where my money goes. Mm-hmm. Uh, versus the clients who've been working with me for a while, and they're like, man, I can't believe I have that much saved already. And there's just this different reaction and response to, wow, it's been however many years and I've done this, that's so cool, it's encouraging versus, oh my gosh, I wish I, wish I would have done something different 20 years ago. Yeah, I, I, I think people have a tremendous ability to handle all kinds of challenges and difficulties and uh, stressors. I mean, I hear as a therapist, I hear harrowing stories all the time and people just handle all kinds of difficult situations, but it seems almost universally difficult to be inauthentic and to be disgenuine and to be incongruent with your values for too long. That, that, that wears on people, that plagues people, that, that comes back, that yeah. torments. Yeah. So, so happy to, there's this, there's this idea of being congruent, right? What are my mm-hmm. values and my behaviors? And when they're in alignment, I tend to be happier. Talk to people, man, they would love to give more to nonprofits and, and maybe to organizations like your, your wife used to run Ryan, you know, but, but they just can't because they've got too much debt. Well, why do you have too much debt? I don't know. I just don't have enough money. Well, why don't you have enough money? I, I spend too much on bourbon and Italian wine. <laughs> adventure, <laughs> adventure spending. Yeah. <laughs> but, but it's making those decisions that are, that are in alignment with, with our values. I think that's, um, yeah, that's important. I do. There's, there's a couple things I want to hit on really quick and I just want you to, to give us a high level view of, of the alignment model and then we'll, we'll wrap up. Um, but in the book, you talk a lot about this idea, can money buy happiness? And that's a question that we're not going to answer right now. It's a lot to that. But can money buy happiness? And I think the long and short of it is, yeah, up to a certain point. Um, up to a certain point because it provides the things that we need. And beyond that, once you have your needs met, then um, it helps to have money. Uh, but it doesn't necessarily lead to any new uh, level of, of happiness per se. And there's a quote in the book, um, the guy's like, he's called the, uh, the happiness expert, Edward, is it Edward Diner or Diener? Um, he said, it's generally good for your happiness to have money, but toxic to your happiness to want money. So it's generally good for your happiness to have money, but toxic to your happiness to want money. I just wanted to, to hear y'all's thoughts on that. Well, the alignment model is a three-frame model, and I'm going to answer it through this, is a three-frame model where you have frame one, your values, and it's in its, its a simplistic form. You have frame one, values. Frame two are your goals and your sense of purpose. And frame three is your behavior. So what he's mentioning is, is that if your wants are strictly focused on wanting money, likely you're going to align your behavior to the pursuit of that. If, for example, you are pursuing a goal that, uh, or a purpose or something more meaningful than just the pursuit of money, the benefit is going to be happiness. So it, it's, a, it's a way to, th- to attack a more values-based or purpose-based approach rather than being the result of wanting and pursuing money that is just a means to an end. It's, it's creating more of a holistic approach to it, which is why the alignment model works so well is because using values to guide your goals, you can then align your behavior to those goals so that you pursue your values. So, Well, I was going to add to that by saying, you know, our tagline, Eric has always been, invest in your relationships. And, and so we, we kind of assume that relationships are important to your life. 
Relationships, therefore, become somewhere, some part of your value system. And it seems like that you could want money in a way, as Ryan, you're describing, that you could act to pursue money in a way that in some way becomes deleterious to relationships. You can't, turns out, you can't pursue money all the time and be in these really uh, enjoyable relationships. So that you, you run out of time somewhere, it seems like. That, it seems like that's what happens for most people is that they, they start to, the, the pursuit of money starts to interfere with being present in their relationship. And so there, there's something that gets amiss there. I don't exactly know what it is, but I just see that as people continue to pursue more and more money, it, it somehow it somehow interferes in their relationship, which, which becomes caustic on some level. Yeah, that reminds me, Matt, of um, one of our previous podcasts that we did, something that uh, we talked about, Warren Buffett, three decisions that he talked about. And, he's, and, and the third one was success should be defined by, he said, love. And, and summed it up into to relationships that money can buy things that give pleasure, but it cannot buy mm-hmm. love. And it seems like from a relationship standpoint, kind of, like, as you said, invest in your relationship. We recognize that, that relationships are so important to, to happiness. But Ryan, what you're, what, what you're kind of saying in your alignment model is that we should, so I'm going to talk about from a money perspective. So someone comes to me and says, I want to, save for retirement. That, that's a behavior, right? Or, or maybe it kind of starts with the behaviors. I want to save. That, that, that's a, something that they're doing to save. And without really figuring out like, why is that important to you? Right? So what you're saying is like, why do you want to save? Why, why is retire or why do you want to retire? Why is that important to you? Let, let's start there first. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and it's a, it's a context question. You're providing them context to why their behaviors are the way they are absent context they may behave you may have a client that comes to you and says eric i uh, just got this ten thousand dollar check i'd like to invest it in bitcoin and they may because they may have been solely based on pursuing uh money and their values may be integrity you don't know they they might have just got that by writing them a personal check from their business and uh coming over to you with some funds because they wanted money. So it's just a different way to look at it. And that's why values provide such a different context to how to behave in a way that they can therefore live a life they want to live with happiness. Yeah. So, so what you're, what you're suggesting, I think this is a good, this is a good kind of like a, a good place to, to start bringing this to an end and concluding it is that for, we all want to be happy, right? And, and, and sometimes we think we might know what's going to make us happy, but we don't. We, we might not know what makes us happy until we stop long enough to really consider those things that are important to us, whether it's family, like in your story, Ryan, where your, your parents decided, hey, you know, family is really important to us, and we, we, we're going to make a decision. It's a financial decision, right? M- most decisions, a lot of decisions ultimately touch money in some way, shape, or form. So they made a decision that aligned with that value. Matt uh, values adventure. So Fun. him making Big a, de- I remember relaxation. Matt, I remember Matt, you reaching out. I don't know if it's this year or last year. Um, but the conversation was you wanted to go mountain biking and it was, it was, uh, it was expensive and you went once and you should, you go again. And I'm like, yeah, you had fun. Do it again. If, if that spending that few hundred dollars, whatever it is, do it again. Is that, is that going to put you out? I was like, no, you valued adventure. So you did it. It was a decision that aligned with a very specific value. And when we are constantly making decisions on a regular basis, if we don't have some measuring stick, right. Or, or some value or some, some principle or a belief, and we're just making decisions and, and not even thinking about that, there's a good chance that we end up off course in our behaviors that day, tomorrow, the next day, 20 years from now. Uh, so the sooner that we spend time reflecting on our values, solidifying our values, setting goals and objectives 
that are consistent with our values, and then do performing the behaviors that are going to reach us the, the sooner, the better chance of being happy that we have. Is that accurate? Absolutely. And it's, and it's just the, uh, it, it's, it's the way we use our probability to increase the likelihood that we'll be living a life that's, that's happy by living with, within ourselves and living our, our authentic self, which is our value set. You, at the Building Us podcast, Ryan, we could talk about this stuff all day because this is this is really in the wheelhouse of what we're what we're trying to do. I mean, we're 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 about relationships. We're helping people invest in their relationships. We're helping people be more thoughtful about how they spend their their time and their money, their resources that they do have. So, man, we we just really appreciate you and your work and being with us and and really clarifying and 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 crystallizing for us just how critical it is to, to act in alignment with, with what you believe, what you value, what's important to you. I, I appreciate you doing this work, man. I appreciate you bringing this to us. Thank you for having me. It's been a lot of fun. Any final thoughts, man? Any, any like mic drop comments, mic drop quotes you want to leave us with? It's pressure. It is. Put them on the spot. Or yeah. anything that you want to point our listeners to that you, you, you think our listeners would benefit from. Well, I would say that uh, should they be inspired to want to learn more about themselves, uh, they can oh, have who's a, not? Who's <laughs> not inspired? <laughs> they could have a values conversation with Matt or with Eric about it. Yeah. So there's that. Uh, and or they could uh, go to our website, uh, thinktoreform.com. That's with the number two in the middle. And uh, go to our approach. And there's a values exercise there. It's a digital format. It's completely free. We don't track you. We don't do any of that. Uh, but you get to experience what we've been talking about with understanding your values and uh, understand that that's who you want to be on your best day. Yeah. And let me uh, put a plug in here real quick for the the value of coaching. If you want to do, if you have something that you want to do and it's important enough for you to do it, find someone who can coach you, keep you accountable, whether it's a financial planner, whether it's a counselor like Matt, whether it's a professional organization, organization like think to perform, but people who are going to help you realize your goals and your vision for yourself, man, that is the best money that you can invest in yourself. Uh, If it's important to you, put your money where uh, your values are and that is a good first step to finding happiness and finding financial security and investing in your relationships dr matt morris maintains an active private practice for couples and families in the greater new orleans area to learn more about his work visit drmattmorris.com Eric Garcia can be found online at plan-wisely.com. His branch office is located in New Orleans, Louisiana. The branch phone number is 504-218-5479. Securities offered through Royal Alliance Associates Incorporated, member FINRA, SIPC. Investment advisory services offered through New Century Financial Group, LLC, a registered investment advisor. Insurance services offered through Garcia Financial Group, LLC. Entities listed are not affiliated.